0: Today's episode is listener feedback and response from me. So we've got a couple of comments on the website from Anon. I think it's short for anonymous, which is perfectly okay. As long as they're constructive uplifting and not personal attacks from anonymous people, I'm totally okay with that. So Anon has a couple comments and some questions. Um they were on episode 7 and 8. Episode 7 being How to Invite the Right People to Your Meetings and episode 8, Avoiding the Dreaded Meeting Roll Call. So in episode 7, Anon had some general comments about meeting size and said, general feedback on your podcast. The length is great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I try to keep them, I don't know that I keep them to a specific length on purpose other than to just say what I'm thinking about working on examining and then get out of the way. Kind of like my meetings if you've been to one. On the other episode, avoiding the dreaded meeting roll call, Anand says, John, excellent write-up that is difficult to implement at first, regarding starting promptly and not backtracking, but if done consistently, it does get easier over time. Your mention of a shared document has me curious as to what app you prefer for this. Is this a document that is shared real-time like Microsoft OneNote, or one that is shared for posting after the meeting? After the meeting, seems like it would be easily forgotten. I've yet to find an open source compatible application that supports both Linux and Mac and Windows I suppose. So the shared document platform that I use and prefer is an open source tool called Etherpad. Etherpad is a hosted web application so you'd need a web server internally in your company or there you'll actually you'll actually find several uh, external Etherpad instances. I believe Mozilla had one for a while. Uh, If you just Google for them or or Google Etherpad instances, you'll probably find one. The upside of that is Etherpad's all ready to use. The downside is you're potentially sharing whatever you're putting in that document with the rest of the world. So take that into consideration. The advantage of deploying Etherpad internally, of course, is that it's behind your firewall, and theoretically, if your firewall and your company IT infrastructure is secure, outside people can't see uh, what you're capturing in that Etherpad instance. A couple caveats around Etherpad. I can't remember if it's still being actively supported or not. I believe Etherpad came... It has some history tracing back to the whole Google Waves and the shared document thing there. And then, anyway, again, I'll put some links in the notes for the history of Etherpad and maybe where to find it. I will say, though, that we're using an instance internally that is totally stable. It's always there. So even if the project isn't being maintained anymore, I still think it's a solid platform, a solid application to... uh, you know take notes from the reason I like Etherpad is because it has line numbers now the formatting in you know today's world of Google documents is leaves a little to be desired uh, it's it's really its focus is around text and you can do some bullets and some some kind of html type formatting in the documents but you're kind of limited to bold italics bullets maybe a few you can indent and that kind of stuff. I like Etherpad again because of the line numbers. When you're running a a decent-sized meeting, you're you're in that constant loop of like, where are we? What section are we talking about? And you can call out the names of topics, but then people have to find them. Or maybe the topic is, is long and dense and it's kind of difficult to locate where in the discussion. So I love being able to say, when you get that inevitable question, where are we? I can't figure out where we're. we're on line 271. Like 271 is as unambiguous as it gets. We're on line 271. If you can't count to 271, I'm not sure how we can help you. <laughs> but th- anyway, that usually just cuts right to it. And so that's why I love Etherpad for meetings in particular is the line numbers and the and the ability to capture their and again, for some companies, also the ability to set that up, that instance up in- internally, and maintain it yourself. At uh, the other end of the spectrum, is Google Documents. Uh, if your company has a special arrangement with Google, you know, maybe you have your own secure instance of Google Docs, or you know, it's connected with your uh, personal Google account. The beauty of Google Docs is that the formatting is much more pleasant to look at. You can do tables, you can do colors, uh, you can do highlighting, you can have comments. I've seen some people do shared meeting minute capture where they don't allow full edit, but they allow comments. And so, I'm sorry, they'll allow comments and they'll also allow suggested edits. And then they'll go through and they will accept or decline those suggested edits, uh, I think, to kind of for themselves, acknowledge what they're adding to the minutes, and also just as a filter. I myself am am a much more just, like, free-for-all, and I have never, ever, ever, I know this might be uncomfortable if you've never operated in this environment, I've never seen anyone do something really malicious or, like, overly harmful that I couldn't recover from, and I've been doing this for, I don't know, the shared document thing. Probably going on ten years, and I, again it 's same with wikis i 've never seen someone destroy a wiki, even though uh, you know it was open to the whole company, or you know in the case of like wikipedia it 's open to the world occasionally there 's destruction and stuff there, but anyway, so Google Docs gives you more levels of granularity in terms of how much ability you want to give others to change what you have, the formatting the downside of Google Documents is I've also seen some really unwieldy Google documents, like some 20-page Google documents where a particular team has kind of adopted the style of they use the same Google document for every single meeting and it's become this 30- or 40-page document that can be a little difficult to navigate. So those are some things to keep in mind. I don't have experience with Microsoft OneNote, I'm assuming it's something like Google Docs. Your mileage may vary there, but it's the same concept. The overall concept here with the shared document is I give everyone read and write access to the document before the meeting, to the agenda. And then during the meeting, as we're working through the topics, the agenda is magically turning into the notes allowing everyone to participate in real time i have found increases engagement at the meeting it also highly improves or greatly improves the quality of the minutes because everyone is seeing them and can make changes to them in real time at the opposite end of that extreme i do have certain people that for whatever reason can never bother to have a computer <laughs> or participate in the discussion of the document, and they want everyone to do the typing for them. I haven't found a good solution to that problem, and I can't figure out why they can't be bothered to have the document in front of them when the links are provided in advance, etc. Anon also goes on to ask, Also in regard to your statement, my minutes go to a central meeting list where context immediately gets lost. Is this a master list of meeting minutes where the context is one step removed but still accessible for anyone to see? So what Anon is referring to here is in the meeting minutes, I was suggesting that you always use a person's first and last name as opposed to just their first name or a nickname or a handle. So that, and here's the context that I'm referring to. So at my company, at Red Hat, We have a mailing list that's called meeting minutes. And any meeting minutes for any product, team, whatever, (laughs) that wants to make their meeting minutes available to anyone that's curious about their meeting or meetings in general is to CC that mailing list. Actually, I've fallen into a little hack I figured out, I don't know, about six, seven months ago is... I blind copy that list. So I'll send the minutes to that list, to my team list, to my immediate team list for the product that I'm working on, but I'll also blind copy that list. The reason I blind copy the meeting minutes list is that some oftentimes, well, not so often because of the way I'm doing the minutes, but sometimes people reply all to the minutes to clarify or ask a question or take things in a new direction. And by blind copying the meeting minutes list, then all that extra noise doesn't end up in that mailing list archive. Having the meeting minute archive mailing list this way and having it open to anyone also makes it really easy to, you know, trim down meeting attendees from those that are just curious to know what's going on. I will just point them to this list and say, when you see minutes from my product, there or set up a mail filter for the subject line of the product that you're curious about, then you can see what's going on because the minutes will get sent there. And just a quick recap on the overall process that I'm currently using, not to say that it won't change anytime in the future, is I love working in the command line with a text editor called Vim. I've become really, really quick. It's one of those text editors where your fingers never leave the keyboard. So you're never mousing and you I become incredibly quick with it. So my My preferred method, it's a little geeky, but it works for me. It might work for you, is I will take the meeting, and I do everything in text documents. So text is in like ASCII text. I will take the meeting minutes from the last meeting. I will copy them into a new document, call it the agenda for the next meeting, for the upcoming meeting, change the date. And then I will do all my editing in Vim from the command line. Once that document is good and it has to have a .txt extension for Etherpad to recognize it, I will go to Etherpad and I keep one central, I call it like rolling minutes for the the product name dash rolling minutes, something like that. I will go to that particular Etherpad page and I will import the text version of the agenda I just created It'll wipe out whatever was there before, so you can do a save revision if you really care about the last one, but uh, I'll get to how that all works, and you'll see the whole process come full circle in a second here. I'll upload that text version to the Etherpad. I'll copy the link to the Etherpad. I'll send it out to the email. This is before, you know, 12 to 24 hours before the meeting. I'll send it out to the meeting attendees saying, agenda's there. Go add your comments. Meeting happens in real time. We're all editing away and making changes. The meeting ends, and I then export the Etherpad as a text file to my computer and giving it the date, the product name, and then dash minutes, whereas the other file was dash agenda. And I save that as a text file. And then I'll do any cleanup that I needed to do post-meeting to those minutes to that text file. Then I'll take that text file, I'll copy it into an email, and I'll send it to the team list, and I'll blind copy the meeting minutes list. And so it might sound a little clunky. I've been doing it for so long. It's second nature. I'm so much faster in the the, uh, command line text editor that the overall time savings and lack of frustration is worth it to me uh, in a way that I wouldn't be able to do with Google Docs or some other platform. So there's a somewhat long answer that hopefully fills in more context to your questions, Anon. And so anyone else out there, if you want to discuss more in depth some of the things that I'm sharing on these podcasts, just head over to johnpolster.com slash podcast and you'll see the different episodes there. Find the one that uh, you want to make a comment on and, and just leave a comment there under that particular topic. That helps to focus the, the discussion. Uh, but comments are also welcome at by sending those to podcast at johnpolster.com and uh, we can uh, factor those into future episodes as well. So thanks again, Anand, for your questions and comments and uh, hopefully it's been helpful to other people too. One last thing, I'm expanding my coaching practice and taking new clients. So if you or someone you know is looking for a way to move past the things that are holding them back to reach the things that they really want, I'd love to help. And even if you're not sure what those things are, all the more reason coaching might be a great option for you. Uh, there's nothing to lose here and everything to gain. I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. We'll get started with a free 30-minute strategy session. So if that's of interest, send an email to podcast at johnpolster.com and we'll take it from there. The strategy session is just a really nice way to uh, get a sense for what it's like to work with me, what the coaching process is like, and to see if we are if fit for working together. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. If you have questions or ideas for the podcast, send those to podcast at johnpolster.com. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music on this podcast, which is licensed under a Creative Commons license and can be found at incompetech.com.